I don't know which party my wife belongs to, but uh, she belongs to my kitchen and my living room and the other room. Welcome back to another episode of The Other Room. This is Kes. I'm here with Abby. Hi, guys. And we have a guest today, Doji. Hi, Doji. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. I'm just chilling. Good to have you on our episode today. Thank you. Um, let's get right to the icebreaker. If you were left on a deserted island with either your worst enemy or no one, who would you choose and why? Doji, you first, since you're our guest. <laughs> I, I would choose my worst enemy rather than no one because I, mm. like, I'm a very petty person. I thrive on pettiness. I would rather spend <laughs> the rest of my life on a deserted island um, making fan of or like terrorizing someone who hates me or someone I hate with my guts like I'll make their life miserable it'll be so pleasurable no. than staying there alone so yeah <laughs> don't enter my bad books wow Wild. <laughs> nice Abby I mean, I was also going to say enemy, but for totally different reasons. See, my, my thing with being with an enemy on an island was I was like, this would help me get my conflict resolution skills right, <laughs> like tight. Because at the end of the day, we are going to need labor to get shelter and find food and everything. It's a deserted island. I can't do it alone. Man is not an island. So yeah, <laughs> come, we'll become friends <laughs> eventually. Kes, how about you? Funny enough, I would also be on my worst enemy, but it's only because me, I'm a scaredy cat. <laughs> I can't survive. I, well, I think I would need someone to kind of interact with a bit, but then also if they're coming to attack me, like you just take it, take them, take them. Yeah. Hopefully they can feast on them for a long time until I'm found. <laughs> wow. So you're yeah, wicked. that's why <laughs> hey, I can't sacrifice myself. I've sacrificed someone. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, anyways, I hope that no one has any enemies. <laughs> I I don't think I have enemies, but yeah. Doji. I don't think I have enemies, but I know there are, there are people who are, are waiting to uh, do me dirty. Yeah. And yeah, they should wait. You have time for them. Oh, no, no, no. You see, like, I live a very simple life. I'm just doing me. So if you are waiting to for me to like mess up or slide or something just to do me there today, oh wait, like wait. You go wait, chair. You go over you like <laughs> <laughs> So Doji, as you are a guest today, tell us a bit about yourself, what you do. I know you have a documentary that you're working on, tell us a bit about that as well. So, to sum everything up, I'm a freelance creative and um, a free-flow performance artist. I tell stories using poetry, spoken word, hip-hop, theatre and film. Yes, I've been working on a documentary. Um, the title is A Tale of Two Waters. That's the working title for now. It came from, I think, oh, wow. some, about a month or two ago, I put a thread on Twitter about the effects of coastal erosion on my mom's hometown, which is in the Volta region, and how the neighboring towns over the years are being um, 
swallowed by the sea and the estuary has been expanding over and over again and opening at multiple places. So when I tweeted that what had happened was at my mom's end, her place is by the river. When you stand on the river bank, you can see the land at the other side and we know that the sea is behind that land. But then they woke up one morning and then at that land, they were now seeing the sea. So the sea has been swallowing the land. So from the river where they're supposed to be land at the other end, they now see beach over there. After I tweeted about that and word got out, a few journalists reached out to me and I think two of them are Ghanaians, but they work with like foreign media houses and then they wanted to do stories on the place. So I took them there. While I was there, I began shooting on uh, our whole journey there for them to see. And that's what the documentary is about because um, we got there and I was with a journalist with the BBC who had been to um, a particular town named Fuvame in 2016 wow. to do a story on um, how the sea was slowly swallowing their land. And today, Fuvame is beach because everyone migrated. The sea has swallowed anything. You will not believe that there were buildings there. The route we normally take to my mom's place is we pick a, a car to Adafo. When you get to Adafo, you pick a boat across the river heading to um, Anyawi. And then there's this part of the river that passes by the estuary. Now what has happened is the, all the land the sea has been swallowing, the sea has spat it out, blocking the river. So it's creating new land formations that are not so solid. With the new land formations that are happening, Villages like my mom's place and then a couple of other villages have been cut off from the main river and have now formed some sort of a lake that the sea is flowing into. With that happening, the river is becoming salty, it's becoming sandy, and then marine life are dying and swimming elsewhere. So there's virtually no fishes or crabs in the river at their end because it's becoming a salt lake and it's not salty enough for, for salt water fish to come in. Plus the pressure is not sea pressure. At the same time, the pressure is now high and it's too salty for freshwater animals to survive. The mangrove in the area that serves as a, a natural defense from the river to prevent the river's currents from rising and then swallowing their land. The mangrove is now being depleted because aside people farming and not uh, people harvesting and not recultivating it as much as they used to, salt water also kills the mangrove. So it's a whole ecological crisis going on there. So when we were going, the route we normally take has been blocked by unstable landforms, so our boat cannot pass through. So we had to take a detour by taking um, a route through, like a canal through the mangrove forest. And when we were returning back to Accra, the tide of the river had gotten low. So we spent about two hours knee and waist deep in mud in the mango forest trying to push our canoe out of there. It's, so it's a whole lot. I'm trying to just speak on um, what exactly is happening in the area because it's like the community is under attack. The government really doesn't seem to care. The only efforts government has done about this was in the past years, because of the estuary opening up and then the rise in the river level, they put a, a boat on the river that is supposed to be dredging the bottom of the river and scooping up the sand. I spoke to the locals and then they said the boat hasn't worked in about three, four years. It's just piling up. People's lands are being taken away. 
their um, source of li livelihood has been taken away. Now their transportation within the area is being affected. Literally nothing is being done about it. This is my concern because I used to go to the place as a child and it's a very beautiful place. My mom retired from Accra and is living there now, managing her business. We've invested in the business. Aside that too, with what is happening there, I used to think that, oh, we had about 15 to 20 years before the sea would be an immediate threat to us because I thought it was going to swallow a number of villages and by then someone would have done something. But if my mom and then the people in that community could wake up and then they are just, the sea has swallowed another town overnight very close to them, it means we really do not have time. I spoke with the locals and they have some sort of a solution now. They want to beef up the land support around their villages near the river since the mangrove is going. So they want to create artificial water defenses. And by doing that, they say we need to start gathering as many used tiles as possible from Accra and send to them. So what they do is they dig at the river bank, fill the tiles with sand and put there. So because the tiles are rubber, when the water washes away, it cannot wash the sand away. So that's a project that I am starting in a few months. So it's like the film raises awareness on what is happening and then based on the awareness that comes, we start this project and hope that we might be able to also appeal to the government to also start dredging the river and then in the long run the sea defense thing that is happening at Keta and happening at Cape Coast should stretch in fact it should stretch across the whole Gulf of Guinea because what is happening is real it's all tied to global warming and other minor ecological things going on here like we really need to be very 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 careful because so many things are, are happening like the change in the rainfall pattern and um their mining and their tour forest. I believe that all these things are connected, right? So we need to be more cautious about how we take care of our environment. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. I didn't catch the name of the village. What's the name? The name of the village is Havui. H-A-W-U-I-I. -I. It's almost an island, right? It's more like a peninsula in the Volta River in the um, South Town District. Not far from Dabala, not far from Ada. The people who normally go to um, Aqua okay. Safari and then um, all these areas, all these new tourist sites popping up, the Manus Paradise, Aqua Safari, and mm. then Treasure Island and all these places should be concerned because with what is happening right now, all those places could soon be submerged or while yeah. you are chilling there, the sea could like come for you. <laughs> Yeah, that's where Castro died, yeah. and wow. it's it's all connected because yeah. um, the reason they drowned is linked to um, the estuary opening up and then seawater entering the river and all of that. And Castro, like he got missing like about nine ten years ago, and nothing was done about this problem, and it's still consistently getting out of hand every day. And now it's in such a way that my mom is like, since I left. There has been change in the landforms. Like when I went there to shoot and we went to Fuvame, I nearly drowned because um, I was stepping out of the canoe on what I thought was solid land. And I just stood on it and just went like poof. And I was just going inside, like, bro, it, it wasn't quick sand. It was, it was beach sand with seawater. So the sand was like a suspension and it looked like solid. Yeah. So I, I was just going and it wasn't that. I was in a life jacket and then the people around me just pulled me out. Okay. 
So I even ripped my pants like <laughs> it all just tore apart and I just feel it. And she's like, that lander is now solid. Then she calls me and she's like, oh, it has washed away. So it's like every day they see it's like, hmm, what am I going to do to surprise these people today? And it just yeah. it's just playing with them. People are drowning. They were, when I went there, they were telling me about um, a mother and a son who drowned. They went to go check on their um, crab traps. And it's like the people use tiny canoes, which are good for um, traveling the river. But then the rate at which the sea is entering the river, it's now moving like seawater. And so it capsized the boat and then they drowned and then they found the child's body and then found the mother's body and they found the boat elsewhere. So it's it's a lot. Wow, that's sad. It's like literally every single day you wake up, it's like what's going to happen today? They are not safe. And mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. I really wish our leaders could do more. Because, I mean, this is something that the DCE should be concerned about that because they are in the immediate area, you know. And then the MP as well, like. And then the minister. <laughs> anyway. They can. I think we should even go beyond that. Because in the Netherlands, I'm going to go off track a bit. This country was pretty much land reclaimed from the sea, right? And um, prior to, I think as a, around 1953, there was a flood that was like really deadly and killed quite a number of people. Um, and from then they decided, okay, we can't like sit on our hands because obviously the sea is eventually someday going to rise so what do we do we have to figure out engineering solutions to fix this and then they've come up with like over 50 70 years now i would say like dikes polders like so many procedures and processes in place that we've not had like massive casualties from flooding or rising sea levels like ever and if you look at the geography and the position of this country, you would think we should be like one of the first people to start facing all of these like issues, right? But so far, it's been relatively decent up until, um, say, July when there were floodings um, in Germany, Belgium. Even then, Netherlands was not really affected. Only Limburg was kind of affected. And we didn't have a lot of death deaths, just like people's homes and stuff being destroyed. So it's, it needs to be a really, really concerted effort from everyone to recognize that farm, you're going to need like heavy resource incentives to put like systems, infrastructure in place to prevent this from happening. Because like Doji was saying earlier, you think, oh, 15, 20 years. But now, nah, farm, this thing has been on the news since forever. Like we've known about this since forever. We've been aware of this since, but no one does anything. Instead, they allow corporations and individuals to come in with their money like start these resources and stuff like that, kick out people, displace people, more disruptions that are affecting the environment. And I'm like... <sighs> and that is um, something else I feel we need to also touch on, like with the, in quotes, developments in the area, all these holiday destinations and then um, all of that, you realize that it's similar to like the gentrification going on in Osu that is happening in some of these places. So people go and set up holiday destinations in rural areas in quotes that the local people from there do not benefit from one they cannot afford to go and stay in these luxury places 
and they are not in any way employed by these luxury places like there are people there who are running all these places and even the food like the seafood is not taken from the area they buy them from chinese fishing trolleys fishing in the gulf of guinea when they could easily buy them from the local fisher folk and things like that and what you were saying about governance i feel like looking at the way governance is done in ghana most of the time you find politicians who are supposed to be representatives of certain rural communities but they are so out of touch with the communities they are representing because in reality that might maybe it might be their hometown they don't actively live there they live in accra and then the other big cities and then they just go there once in a while for funerals or whatever and then election year they go and throw a few cd notes around for instance you look at a certain constituencies like i remember during the election year people were complaining about the Dominic Kwabinyan road and then their MP and all of that and even Sam George's constituency in Pram Pram seeing the roads and things do you do you honestly believe that if these people were consistently living in these places and moving every day from parliament the roads are going to look like that I don't know if you get me like he's living in his constituency Do you think his hospitals would be that bad? There's a disconnect between those who are supposedly representing certain communities and then the work they are doing. So it's like our politicians are rather in the um, government positions representing their political parties rather than the communities that they are supposed to be representing. So it's like Ghana is in such a way that if you do not belong to a political party and your political party is um, not in power you are not um, a Ghanaian going to benefit from government and it's sad (laughs) okay so you did talk about your mom's business your mom has a business in that area what is it exactly so um, it's called um, Fajis Haven Fajis is is taken from the names of we her three children, far from my elder sister, MFA, G from my name, Doji, and then the S is from uh, Fajis, the social short one for Fajinam, and that's from um, my brother's name, Senan. It's a sort of bed and breakfast holiday thing she, she built. So um, this woman, for um, as long as I can remember, has always had like the dream of owning a restaurant and like growing up my parents before they had me when they were young and had first gotten married they spent a number of years in um, Norway and that's where they had my elder sister and my mom learned Norwegian through cookbooks she's been so interested in cooking so she had all these um, boxes of cookbooks and all those things that she brought back so growing up I used to like she she used to cook all kinds of things in the house would eat like European foods and then the local foods all together, especially at um, Christmas. Every year at Christmas, we try a new like foreign recipe. So I used to grow up eating waffles and mooncake for breakfast, and then some days too, I'll eat the brownie. And mom used to she used to experiment with so many things, and then uh, there were some of the times where, it's like, for example, when my mom is making a uh, lemonade. She uses, you see the pointillant uh, and then the cloves, the spices for cocoa. She uses that to that um, so make fun. the syrup for her lemonade. I so know. it's like some of these um, hybrid <laughs> foods merging like 
foreign foods with local foods and ideas like that. And so she's always had the idea of owning the a restaurant. And, um, <laughs> after they split up and uh, they, they got divorced, she, she stayed in Accra. She worked with mm-hmm. the Aviation Social Center for a bit. But uh, when my younger brother turned 18 and was down with high school, she's like, okay, all her children are legally adults now. She went back to her hometown. Okay. The whole time she had been building. So she built her house and it has built like a bed and breakfast on the place with a restaurant and um, she's building more rooms. And yeah, the woman is living her dream. So it's for me, it's like a constant reminder that like if you believe in something you want to do, you can always do it. Uh, nobody would, nobody would um, stop you you can you can always keep going once you believe in yourself so for me i learned that from her it's never too late to chase your dreams yeah you did mention that she's divorced right they are divorced now yes okay so they are ba- she's basically flourishing after her divorce like she didn't she doesn't need a man to survive i mean i'm not saying don't get married but like you know yeah that's 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 actually the thing the funny thing is since she got divorced over the years there were quite a number of suitors and it's actually the day i made that thread on twitter seeing like most people do some of these things for fun they think it's all Mm. jokes and things and then they don't realize how harmful um putting out some of these opinions as jokes and letting it seem their facts can be and then um, they were talking about how um people's biology clocks may be ticking and all of that but (laughs) I that Personally, so to me, from my observation, like in reality, that is not what I see. Because looking at her, there was a time she nearly got married, but then she just she just decided, no, I don't, I don't think I'm ready to do this again. And then, like even now, she's in her fifties, she still gets suitors. Like sometimes when I go there, there are certain older single men who have come around under the guise of, oh, they are coming to patronize her facility. But I can see that, Charlie. This is what I tried to get to my mom's good boots. <laughs> so it's, it's like, even even like observing and having like conversations, you realize that when it comes to the opinions that people have about women and sex, it's like all these things, from my opinion, when men say some of these things, except from like a place of hurt, or a place of rejection like you notice women are preyed on when they are younger they are preyed on by older men when they are younger and then uh, when they get older older single men still want them and then we have the whole young boys with their oedipus complex (laughs) (laughs) obsessed with older women and all these things so it's like i don't get it because i have older friends who are women some of them even have children and these people are actively like involved in other people they they actively have suitors so that whole idea that men constantly say that you are getting old you become undesirable i really don't get it because i don't know sometimes for me i have some women friends that look younger than their age like i have a friend i met on twitter who is like she's like 35 or 36 and when i saw her i thought like we were all in our early 20s and at the same time i have friends that are just about say i have male friends that are not even 35 they're about 30 32 and then some of them are already getting bald heads so it's like patriarchy will make you age quick (laughs) 
the wickedness like, of misogyny. I get to talk about. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. People, people age differently. <laughs> people age differently. But the whole idea that people say a woman will become undesirable about um, after a certain age, it's a lie. Like, it's, it's, it's a big lie. <laughs> sure, sure. It really is a big lie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I'm spoiling someone's agenda or whatever, but Charlie, it's, it's a lie. <laughs> I think the only agenda related to that is having men have some <laughs> sense of ego boosting during those moments when they're lying to themselves like oh yes but as no matter what happens we are still going to be able to like get suitors or whatever because we have resources we have this we have that but then with women like their value because they mainly objectify us so they're like yeah as they age um you can't desire an older woman you have to go for younger blah 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 so then they project all of that also on us and be like yeah your your time is done after you have a kid or your time is done after 30 years i'm like Please, no that is not true mm-hmm. yeah even with you saying mm-hmm. you had like a female friend who's about 35 and looks younger and then some guys are like younger and look so much older even guys that look so much older it becomes like a thing like oh yeah he's emboldened is is now a thing like you know going sakura or whatever it's like, i don't know it's yeah, a look now yeah it. whereas exactly. it's like mm-hmm. okay yeah you still you look 25 you are still 35 can you you can't you can't get married you can't give birth or your chances of giving birth are um, yeah. very low and stuff like that so it's like it's oh we always twist things to yeah. um yeah. to suit the man's thinking or the man's agenda really yes. mm-hmm. and this thing about um young men trying to look older recently there's this whole um craze with um, everyone trying to grow a beard with um, all these beard busters. Hey, 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 hey. That one, I'll say they are going back to their roots. So Let's not shit on beards. The, the beards are sexy. No, no. I'm not shitting... I'm not shitting on beards, okay? <laughs> See me. I'm living my beard. He's got some beard oil. There's holes in it and all of that. But the, the issue is with... <laughs> the issue is with some of these beard beard oils and then um they also wow. these um I've forgotten the name, they are these pills they take, mm. but they really have very harmful side mm. effects and then no one is looking into mm. it. I, I don't know if you get me. Like they are there are some of them that um increases I know that um for one oh. pill it increases the man's um, oestrogen mm. levels. And it's yeah, so it's like it, start, it starts like messing with people's hormones and things like that and it's like how are you are naturally taking it like you are taking a pill that is letting you grow a beard in like a month and then you don't you don't find anything worried about you don't see yourself mutated but it's um, a covid vaccine that you wouldn't take <laughs> right but you would take a pill to grow your beard for me one thing that i find weird is like the whole idea of body politics and then what is desirable on both men and women like i find it very weird most people are trying to um fit within like a particular beauty standard like everyone is with a guy is almost everyone is trying to be buff grey beard and with being buff people are not training the right way people are not 
are taking us um, protein supplements just to make them buff and all of that and then they, they then try to also project certain unrealistic ideologies too on women or this is how a woman should look like you see you see boys under someone's picture on social media commenting that um, her boobs have fallen and yeah. things like that and some of the boobs that they even say have fallen yeah. have not even fallen so I'm like have these people seen real breasts in life before like <laughs> Audacity. Well, well, I mean, if you are seeing if you are seeing um, boobs of Kim Kardashian and the likes, you wouldn't, and those are not even real. Well, so then you wouldn't ever think that. That's why I haven't seen real breasts in life. So it's like, <laughs> I mean, literally, if your mom breastfed, you can just go look at your mom's tits. <laughs> it's, it's normal. It's natural. Yeah. Like it happens, Gravity. and even sometimes, not even after childbirth, it's just how some people's bodies look. Yeah, they really have to get over it. So it's like, I don't know, gender politics and then uh, desirability politics and all of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Abby, do you have anything else to add? I only had a question though. When you said that the pills that they are taking for their beard is increasing estrogen levels. Now, what pill is that? Because I'm, I'm curious. I thought hormone growth was related <laughs> to testosterone. So what is happening? I'd have to check and get a name. It's mini something something. But then... There, there are a number of there are a number of these um, products. So I don't know if you actively know anyone using any of like the popular uh, pharmaceutical beard growth products or anything. Just take a look and um, take some time off and then like Google some of their names and look for side effects and things. You'd be wow. amazed. Wow. I didn't know this was a very big thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's now the same as um, mm-hmm. women going for BBLs. Like, again, to look a desired way mm-hmm. or something, you know, to look more desirable to suitors or people. <laughs> I don't know, but... Wait, no, that's that's not even the fair comparison. You know, people were taking, like, biotin okay. or something yeah. like that for, like, hair supplements, nail supplements, the women. So this is the equivalent. And then the equivalent of BBL will be those getting the fake surgery <laughs> apps. The niggas doing that now. I'm like... Wait, they are doing fake surgery? <laughs> wow. the yes. There's so much going yes. on. Yeah. Apparently, Drake wow. did some. Swear I also down. found yeah. out that men also make, um, also do BBLs. Fake surgery apps. Yes. yes. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I won't be surprised. Bunda, can you men don't need to do that? <laughs> they are good. Yeah, we are... We are yeah, naturally blend. You know, that there's this joke growing up as, as a child. They're like, for Ghanaian men, when God was giving the woman us, we followed our mother and went to college. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your insightful words. I'm glad that you're actually doing this and bringing awareness to the coastal communities and the Volta region and what's happening there. And I guess it, eventually it will be the whole coastal stretch of Ghana, really. I know they are doing some sea defense along some areas, but the other ones that have been untouched, they will probably also be affected or are also being affected as it is now. So, yeah, they need to look into that. But thank you for being yeah. on and sharing your story. And we can't wait to watch your documentary when it's out. Please let us know when it's out. And also, where can we find you? Yeah, where can listeners find you if they want to learn more? Social media, who is Deji, W-H-O-I-S-D-E-Y-D-Z-I. 
Instagram, Twitter. My Facebook isn't active like that. And also, I have a few tapes out on like Spotify, Apple Music. I'm about dropping a new, it's like an album, it's like an EP. It's nice, like I like it. I've been dancing to it in my room. So it'll be out soon. Are you with Deiji on Spotify? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> you just see my artist profile. Ah, okay. One last question. What can we do in the meantime to help your um, mom's village community? We can raise more awareness. I've been trying to um, put things in place for um, <laughs> us to start with um, the ties as soon as possible. But that is a lot of work. So it's taken quite some time. But for right now, it's just like raising more awareness on what's happening in the area. Hopefully... You know how our governments fear disgrace. If more journalists come and see it. But yeah, we, we ourselves would work to start um, saving the area with the tires. So hopefully. Oh, so people can donate tires or? Yes, but as of now, I haven't even like finished setting up uh, um, a transparent way for people to donate tires or donate anything to support us with like transporting the tires and then setting up the so I'll keep you in the know when okay. all of that is ready. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Please do share your links with us so that we can also share with our listeners and we can also check it out for ourselves. Well, all the best in your endeavors. And we really hope that something good comes out of it. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening to our episode. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at GCRTOR. Check out our previous episodes on listentogcr.com and wherever else you listen to your podcast episodes. <laughs> Thank you, Doji, again Thank for being you. on our show. And talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Relax, little mama, while you only your head Tripping over other shit It's been three days on the same thing Ain't you tired of overthinking everything? Where's the last time you inhale peace? Exhale negative energy Always what if, maybe unsure, doubting This has been a Gold Coast Reports production. Catch up on episodes and discover more shows from our network on listen to gcr.com.